Hello, this is the Market Lane Coffee Podcast, and this episode is a part of our coffee rollout series where we introduce new coffees to the Market Lane team. My name is Einar, and I'm here with Jason, and the coffee we're talking about today is Meviria from Kenya. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us again. Uh, so, Meviria is a coffee that we had first time last year. What can you tell us about it? It's a beautiful coffee from a small area in Kenya, from the uh, Embu locality in Kenya. It's got a very, very distinct uh, flavor profile, and it's it's nice to have our first Kenyan coffee on the menu, and yeah, we're looking forward to sharing it with you all. And what's the flavor profile? Predominantly blackcurrant. It's very rich, whiny, sweet. Kenyan coffees are all sort of very fruity and also very acidic, but overall very distinctive, really present in the cup. Easy to brew as well. They're traditionally very soluble um, for the way that we roast them. So tend to be a lighter roast, but also nice strong cup, mostly for filter, but uh, we might do a roast for espresso down the track. Mm-hmm. And we, we made some earlier this this morning. Do you want to share some of your tasting notes? Yeah, I'll read some out. Um, I had a really nice rich orange flavor with plum, um, sort of a boozy blackcurrant taste, like yeah, stewed blackcurrant or cooked blackcurrant. Um, a few green notes like stemmy sort of grape um, seeds or tomato tomato leaves, or maybe some peas or something. But I think mostly those green notes are from the freshness of the coffee that we had today. And then also, yeah, some darker notes like caramel and black tea. There's a lot in this coffee, so it depends on how you brew it. I think there'll be a lot to explore. Mm, yeah, one of the problems with the podcast is we have to taste the coffee when it's very fresh. So mm. It can be hard. Uh, yeah, I've got blackberries, uh, lime, pear, stone fruits, a bit of vanilla and a creamy mouthfeel. Uh, quite fresh fruit-like sweetness and a lot of acidity without being citric or, asa- or sour. Mm-hmm. Uh, very clean and, and round mouthfeel. Mm. Yes. And this coffee is on for a little while uh, until end of September, but it's coming back. Yeah, we're, we're doing a little experiment with this coffee. So we've we've taken half of the lot, so about 750 kilos, and we've put on a pallet and wrapped it and we've sent it off to a frozen warehouse. Um, so this warehouse is... Um, basically stores frozen foods for different companies um, and they've agreed to store our palette of green coffee so we're going to store it for about seven or eight months and we'll pull it out of storage february and start roasting it again february march something like that and the experiment is to basically see if you know keeping the coffee at minus 18 degrees actually does hold it properly in stasis and whether it's you know financially a possibility to do that uh, for coffees or whether it's a waste of time or not, who knows? Um, but uh, yeah, I think it'd be really interesting to have uh, something really fresh and vibrant on the menu, especially that time of year, March, when we've got you know lots of a lot of coffees from Brazil and Bolivia, but not necessarily anything fresh from um, Africa. Mm. And is this the first coffee that you're putting in a freezer? This is commercially, <laughs> this is the first commercially frozen coffee that we're going to experiment with at Marcolaine. Great. So the quite fruit-like and high acidity flavor profile is quite typical for Kenyan coffees and coffees from Embu. And the way that they process coffee is quite uniform across Kenya. Can you talk a little bit about how they do it? Yeah, they're very methodical and professional in the way they process and pick coffee in Kenya. Um, There's a lot of education in terms of how it should be done and the best way, the best practices to do it. Um, There's also been a lot of research into the coffee varieties to use. What are the best ones for, you know, higher elevation farms and what are the best ones for lower elevation farms? Uh, What varieties work best when there are problems that might come up with rust or pest or things like that. So so a lot of the coffee produced in Kenya is of excellent quality um, and we do see that in the cup. 
what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> it was about um, how Kenya produces coffee. And the processing method across the board is uh, fairly uniform as well. They don't experiment too much with naturals or anything like that. So um, the coffee is, is normally it is um, hand-picked and then it is pulped. It's fermented usually without water in a tank and then it's washed and then soaked for a period. And the soaking is sort of holding the coffee before drying it to stabilize the moisture content across the lot. Yeah. So you mentioned Embu. Whereabouts in Kenya is that? Uh, this is one of the more eastern growing areas in Kenya. And the way I think about Kenya and the coffee producing areas is Nairobi sort of in the bottom at the bottom in the south and then Mount Kenya sort of smack in the middle. And then most of the coffee growing regions are sort of between Nairobi and Mount Kenya. Uh, Embu is just off to the sort of southeast of Mount Kenya. But everything is sort of heading up towards the slopes of Mount Kenya. Kenya itself is a pretty small country. It's geographically small, but also there's only 5 million people living in, in Kenya. And Nairobi itself is growing pretty rapidly. So even a lot of the, the outer suburbs of Nairobi are sort of encroaching on some of the coffee farms and the coffee growing areas. I remember driving with Mia, who works for Masuka Sustainability, and we drove past uh, Gethenbuini Estate and she pointed it out and it was a housing it was a housing development. So that it does happen that they're sort of pushing out further and further from Nairobi into the coffee regions. Yeah, so Gethenbuini is a name of a Kenyan coffee that we had um, mm. many years ago, maybe five, six, seven years ago. Long time ago. Um, and this coffee is called Maviria. That's the name of the um, washing station. Uh, can you tell us a little about how this coffee is grown and and how it's processed so there are a number of coffee producers in the area and they make up a society like a farmer society that contribute coffee to this factory as they call it so um, washing stations there are called factories they all participate they elect a board and there's a president the board and the society leaders choose how the coffee is marketed and who it is sold to and who the who the agents are that will export the coffee um, and in this case they chose to work with Suka Sustainability, which is the, the local arm of Sukafina. So I know you've done a little bit of research into uh, the coffee varieties that are planted through Kenya and how they came about. They have interesting names, SL28, SL34. Do you want to explain how they got to those names and what they mean? Yeah, sure. So I think Kenya is quite an interesting origin because it's right next to Ethiopia, just south of Ethiopia. But coffee didn't really travel from Ethiopia to Kenya. So coffee traveled from Ethiopia to Yemen and then uh, got spread uh, from Yemen. Some of the coffee ended up at uh, the Bourbon Island uh, in the Indian Ocean. And then from there, it was spread with missionaries uh, back to Eastern Africa. So Tanzania, Kenya, that area. Uh, around the same time, the British colonized Kenya and, and grew coffee until the Mau Mau uprising in the 1950s and ultimately Kenya declaring independence from the British in the 1960s. Since then, Kenya has been free to grow and export coffee themselves and now the coffee industry is flourishing. But they also established laboratories, so the colonial government established Scott Agricultural Laboratory and the name SL just refers to Scott's Laboratories. And the numbers 28 and 34 are just kind of reference numbers for the different type of trees. So they were doing research, trying to find type of trees that were pest and drought resistant. So one of them were found uh, in the area that is now Tanzania, and that was 
proven to be drought resistant. That was the species number 28. And that was spread to become a single variety. And another number from a different selection was SL34. So the different selections of, of type of trees. Mm-hmm. But they all share the characteristic that they're resistant to drought. Yes. Um, yep. Well, uh, they are resistant to drought, but they're not very resistant to uh, coffee rust and coffee berry disease. Mm. And also they're not very high yielding trees. There's another variety we see a little bit in Kenya called Ruri 11. And we tend to not associate it with the best quality in coffee. It's sort of starting to become more widely planted because it is bred to be quite resistant to CBD, the coffee berry disease, and also fairly resistant to leaf rust. But yeah, the cup quality is not not as good because of its catamore lineage. It can be a little bit more rough than SL28 or 34, which are selections from Bobon. So the name of the coffee is Mavuria. Uh, that means huge or big in Kikinyu uh, language. And it was given the name by the first president of Kenya when he opened the factory in 1964. Um, it commemorates a old and large indigenous tree that used to grow on the factory grounds. And it has a significance as a symbol in the fight for independence from the colonial powers. Uh, you mentioned a couple of other names earlier, Sukafina, Suka Sustainability, Kenya Coffin Mia. Can you explain a little bit for new staff and new listeners what that refers to? Yeah, we buy coffee differently in each country and it's because of the way the bureaucracy is set up and the way that, you know, historically people can buy coffee. So in Kenya, uh, we have a very particular construction that we have to sort of work with and it's really complicated to do unless you work with a sort of like a broker or an agent or something like that. So we work with a person called Mia and she works for a company called Sukafina. Sukafina is a very, very large company and a very large player in the coffee industry. They own a number of coffee brokers and coffee companies. They're basically throughout the entire supply chain in coffee. But in Kenya, they have a few different companies. One of them is called um, Suka Sustainability and that is the marketing agent what they call a marketing agent for different mills. So different mills will employ them to sort of sell and promote their coffee. They have another company called Kawabora, which means good coffee. Um, This is actually their dry mill. So they do a lot of dry processing of coffee there. They'll take coffee that's been dried in parchment. They'll take it to the Kawabora mill. They'll grade it. um, They'll process it and get it ready for export. And then there's also a financing arm of Sukafina in Kenya, I think just called Kenya Cough, although it's a, I'm a little bit vague on the details of that one. But basically they do some pre-financing for coffee factories to help them do things like buy inputs for their farm during the season until they get their money for their finished coffee. And we've known Mia for, for many years and she's an excellent cupper and a great coffee person and we really do trust her judgment. So they're a great partner to have in Kenya. Kenyan coffees tend to be quite highly priced. Can you explain a little bit why? You know, the government and the coffee industry in Kenya design it that way. So they do try and maintain a very high minimum price for their coffees and they do it based on quality as well. So I think it's perfectly reasonable for them to get a really high price for the coffees that they produce, whether they're just, you know, growing the cherries themselves or whether they're a single producer. They take a lot of care. The quality is excellent and the results are really good. So, yeah, the price is high, but the results really good. So often when I see Kenyan coffees by other roasters, uh, it's the name of the coffee and then two letters behind the name, like AA, AB or PB. Can you explain what that means? 
Yeah, they're, they're grades. It's a sizing grade for Kenyan coffee. And traditionally, AA graded Kenyan coffees are the largest in size and they're the most highly prized because of their physical size. AB is slightly smaller and then PB are the small, basically the, the cherries that are a single seed inside of the coffee cherry. Uh, we don't tend to put the grading on the bag for a couple of reasons. Firstly is that we don't think that the AA grading necessarily means that the coffee tastes better than an AB. In a lot of cases, a lot of times it does, but then also in a lot of times the pea berry tastes better than the AA. So I think it's sort of a bit confusing to designate a grade to a lot of coffee that it doesn't necessarily reflect, reflect the quality. The second reason is that with some of the small producers we've been working with in Kenya, like Gamba and a couple of the other ones, we've been buying their entire production. So we've been buying the grades from AA, AB, PB and also the C size, which is a very small size. And it's meant that we we basically run run the coffee from, you know, the largest to the smallest or the whole way down. And the packaging doesn't change and the, the taste changes slightly because of the different grades. But the overall experience is still that of Gamba, as it were. Miberia comes from Embu region of Kenya. The varietals are SL28, SL34 and Ruru11 and the process is washed. Tasting notes are apricot jam and lime with a buttery mouthfeel and the retail price is $26 for 250 gram and per cup it will cost $7.50. It will be on this shelf until end of September and coffee club in mid-October. And then magically reappearing in February sometime to be confirmed. Thank you, everyone. Uh, hope you enjoy this coffee. And the last thing I wanted to share with you all is a short audio recording I made the last time I was in Kenya. Um, I was lucky enough to stay at uh, Mia's house in um, Thika district, which is about an hour north of Nairobi. And she's renting a house there on a very old coffee um, estate. And the estate's actually owned by um, a housing development. So they're renting the renting the house while they're waiting for the uh, approvals to go through so they can basically, I think, demolish the place and uh, turn it into a housing estate. The house was spectacular. It's like an old colonial place. And I woke up really early that morning and just listened to the birds and managed to get a pretty nice recording of it. So by way of an outro, I'll um, play that recording now and uh, hope you all enjoy it.